seated. When you come uh, this afternoon, this morning afternoon to this church here, how do you view this church? How do you view this church? Is it, uh, is it a gathering place? A place to see my friends? Is it a place where I can uh, fellowship? Or is it your parents' church? Or is it your children's church? Or is it your church? Or is it the traditions? Every Sunday, I go somewhere to worship. Or is it a singing place? Or is it a place where we can entertain? Or is it just a church up the hill? How do you view this church? It's Sunday as you come. I hope that you view this church as this is God's church. This is God's church. And I happen to be part of it. And I'm glad to be part of it. What a grace, what a privilege, and what a miracle. And today we're going to talk about church. Today you will see the worship song, you sense the worship songs. It's a lot about the church. Today we're going to hear from the church here and then so that we can able to learn together God's perspective about the church. Um, we are now into the series on 1 Corinthians. Today is the third uh, chapter. If you are following along with the CG, you would have uh, studied the other two. Let's give you another brief uh, overview about the letter, which the things that I didn't mention in detail in chapter 1. First of all, the nature of this letter. This letter is not a universal letter. We just written to church at large. It's a very occasional letter, very specific to the church in Corinth. And also, it's in answer to two things. First of all, it's an answer to the report of the Chloe uh, household. They came back with a report, and then they also sent a letter asking Paul for some questions. So in response, Paul answered them with this particular letter. And this is the overview of the letter. Can you just look up for a while? Thank you. So this side here, a lot of people will look up. This side, a lot of people look down. Look up for a while. Okay. Um, let's start with that intro. Greetings. A normal common letter. And then Paul responds to the report of the people there. And then he was addressing, first of all, about the divisions. The, the first four chapters. And then later on, there were other issues that crop out about the not so, un, not so healthy in the church based on the report. And then next, Paul also responds to the, the letter from Corinth, asking some questions that they have, some doubts. So Paul answers some questions from chapter 7 to 15. And then finally, Paul concludes. But basically, Paul says, all the issues that you have here, you have to remember one thing. This one thing is that our beliefs, what we believe, what we think about ourselves, think about God, we think about the world, our belief and our actions should conform to the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, how He has died for us and rose again from the dead for us. So this is a nutshell, uh, the book of Corinth, Corinthian. If you look at Corinthian, I use this iceberg to, uh, to depict there, particularly talking about chapter 1 to 4. On the top of the iceberg, you only see the, the tip of the iceberg. It's called divisions. But below divisions, underneath the iceberg, there's a big, huge other deeper problem. What are the deeper problems? They have relied on human wisdom, human values. What the way 
look at you uh, look at the world from the human perspective. And therefore, they cannot see God's perspective. And as a result, they begin to misunderstand. What do they misunderstand? They misunderstand the gospel. The gospel looks foolish. So Paul had to explain, it is not foolish. It is really the wisdom of God and the power of God. Then they misunderstand the church. And finally, they misunderstand the leaders. So today, we're going to talk about the church, chapter 3. Next week, chapter uh, no, four, Next week is Easter. The following week, we're going to talk about uh, chapter 4, about misunderstanding the leaders. So with this in mind, I hope that you will help us idea, you see how Paul addresses so we learn to have a greater understanding about what the church is all about. What is the church? What comes to mind when you think about the church? Paul said in chapter 3, first of all, the church should consist of people who are spiritual people, people who are led by the Spirit. I'm going to read this and then take note of this. There are three groups of people Paul is talking about here. Let me start verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, the first group of people, but as to people who are still worldly, second group of people, mere infants in Christ, I give you milk and not solid food, for you are not yet ready. Indeed, you are not yet ready. You are still worthy, the same second group of people. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worthy, the same second group of people? Are you not acting like mere humans? The third group of people. These are all three different words here. For one says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Are you not acting like human, mere humans? The third group of people. Okay, I'm a person of chart. So let me put it, unpack it in the chart form to help you to understand this. The three groups of people, the first group of people is called the spiritual people. People who live by the Spirit. What do you mean? Paul said these are the people who has the Spirit of God. They hear the Gospel, they believe in the Gospel, they invite Christ into their life, the Spirit comes into their life. And then, they are the people who are led by the Spirit. The Spirit is in charge. They live by the Spirit. They follow the thoughts and actions of the Spirit. They are keeping in step what the Spirit is saying in their hearts. And based on this chapter, there are also people who are shaped by the Gospel. The Gospel informed them, helped them to live their life. And Paul described this group of people as mature. Mature. This word mature it's not talking about your physical age. How old are you as, as an individual? Neither is he talking about spiritual age. Whether you are one-year-old Christians or 30-year-old Christians. When he mentioned this mature here, he's talking about a person who lived the crucified life. Cruciform, that's one word that theologians coin out. One whose lives and values shaped by the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I can be a one-year-old Christian, but because of the gospel, how He has changed me, I live according to it, I'm led by the Spirit, I follow the idea of Spirit, I'm considered as mature. I can be a 50, 40-year-old Christian, but I don't listen to the Spirit. My life does not correspond to the gospel. Then I am not mature. That's all that Paul is talking about. He has nothing to do with your spiritual age. So Paul is saying that every Christian... After conversion, you should live a life led by the Spirit. You should be the spiritual people. That's what Paul is saying here in chapter 3. 
But he's talking about also a different group of people. It's called mere people. Mere human being, I call it mere people. These are people who, without the Spirit of God, okay, they don't have the Spirit of God within them. Why? Because they are not saved by the Gospel. They, they don't respond to the gospel. Why do they not speak the gospel? Because they consider the gospel, the cross, as folly, as foolish. It makes no sense to them. And therefore, they do not know God. So Paul, some version put this as natural man or mere human being. These are people who do not know the gospel. By right, Paul is saying that you should have only two categories of people. Either you're spiritual or you live as mere people, people who do not know God. Unfortunately, Paul said, they are a third group of people. He called them worldly. Worldly people. NASB called them fleshly. New King James Version called them carnal. These are people who are the people who has the Spirit of God, but live like the people without the Spirit. They should be the spiritual people, but they are living and they're thinking and behaving like the mere people. Paul called them worldly. And Paul identified these people as infants, immature. Infants are immature, not because of their, again, not about their, their spiritual age, but about their childish behavior. They are behaving as if the spirit is not in charge in their life. They are behaving as if the Spirit is not even in their life. And they are fascinated by the worldly values it divide, and worldly wisdom. It diverts their attention from the Gospel. And Paul is not saying about... Let me see any more. Yes, childish behavior. Paul is not saying about perfections. He understands they need to grow up. He's talking about people who rebel against the Spirit's guidance. And Paul said, don't stay there. Remaining worldly, from Paul's point of view, is not an option. You should not be living the worldly life. Why? Because the Spirit is in you. Listen to the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. It is a good thing to do. It is the wisest thing to do. Use Paul's term. It's the wisest thing to do. Today, if you are here, if you belong to spiritual people, great. Continue to be led by the Spirit. If you today, you are here, you have heard the gospel, the gospel doesn't make sense to you, let me ask you to reconsider. You are like the mere people. God's Spirit wants to live in you. Christ died for you. Consider inviting me into your life. But if today, you are here, worldly, many of the decisions are not shaped by the gospel. Many of the decisions are just shaped by yourself, what you think is good, by the worldly values. And Paul is asking you, Please, repent, change. Let the Spirit guide you. Let the Spirit lead you. Let me share with you an illustration. I was thinking about illustrations about my own life here in the church context, but my, my memory not very good. I, can, I cannot think very clearly. But I could think of one very, more, a bit more drama, dramatic one, one drama mama one, uh, because it, 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 it helped me to, yes, a lot of things to repent. And I want to share with you this confession time and what it means to have these three in mind here. Okay, um, I grew up in a very traditional family. My, my mom uh, celebrates Chinese New Year. It's a big thing. And every Chinese New Year, you can only wear 
one main color. Red on the top. Okay, red on the top. Every year I follow, no problem. Then I went to China, we were serving as missionary there. And then we learned about boundaries. That you need to have your boundaries. So that particular Chinese New Year, Karen uh, brought along, he have two different dresses. Okay, one is a red dress, red top. The other one is a white top with a turquoise bottom. Then she brought two along. And then that morning, he said, uh, Chi Ming, uh, I really like this white and turquoise. Which one should I wear? I said, well, I followed my mom long enough. I think it's time to draw the boundaries. I was thinking like, for myself only. So I said, okay, just wear this white and turquoise. I will settle with my mom. So you wear Chinese New Year, first day, went home, and you guess what happened? Oh, my mom was making like, why are you wearing white? I said, it's turquoise one. Then it was a big argument. Then I said, no, why should I change for this for you? Every year, I listen to you. And now, I think this is nice. I was trying to protect Karen. But I think that was the wrong idea because it comes from my, uh, not shaped by the gospel. I, I just, for myself, for my own, for my own uh, ego's sake. And then my, my dad, wise enough, come to us. He said, Jiming, why don't you go back and change? It was a voice of reason. At that point of time, somehow the Holy Spirit convicted me. I think you have gone too far. You have done something that is not... It's such a crazy thing. So humbly, I went back, Greg Karen back, we go into the hotel and then we change. And then we come back again. And then uh, I remember my niece ma making a comment to my sister. I said, huh? Missionary behave like that one. Ah? <laughs> it was a, 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 a humbling thing to me because I wasn't thinking about how I can honor my parents. I wasn't thinking about how, what, the Spirit is leading me, calling me. I was thinking about myself. I was controlled and directed by myself instead of by my Spirit. And I repented and I apologized to my mom. I wrote email to all my siblings, including my niece, humbled myself and said, I'm sorry, I repented. After that, every year, I purposely go and buy one very bright red shirt. Until today, I still wear a bright red new one. And I will wear it to my mom and say, you see, red enough? <laughs> It's just some examples about small things, but big things, because I was controlled by myself. I was thinking worldly. I was not thinking about how the gospel should shape to the way I think, the way I behave. So Paul say in the church, it should consist of spiritual people, people who are led by the Spirit. So let the Spirit lead you. Let the Spirit guide you. Let the Spirit fill your life. Let me use Paul's word. Why? Because it is the wisest thing to do. Come to think about it. Why? Because the Spirit knows the mind of Christ. And He, the Lord Jesus Christ, died for us. He knows the mind of Christ. He knows how to run our life. And it is the best for us because He created us. Other ways, other values, my own, including my own, it's going to lead me the wrong way. It is not worth it. So today, if there is some behavior in your life, some value, some decision, some habits that you know it's not pleasing to the Lord, it is not in line with Christ died for you, it's not in line with the Spirit, 
please repent like what I did. Ask God for forgiveness. Yield to the Spirit. Let the Spirit guide you. It is the wisest things to do because it's good for you. He knows what's best for you. So the church consists of spiritual people. Then the church, Paul says, should grow. The church will grow. He used a terminology, several, two of them. The first one is about the growing field. You see, the Corinthians, they are viewing things from the bottoms up. They are thinking too highly about their leaders. They, they think the church will grow based on the eloquence, the giftedness, and the wisdom of their leaders. So they think this leader is better, of course. And Paul had to address, he has nothing to do with these people. They have everything to do with God. Let me read verse 5. For after all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? Who are they? Servants. This word servants means under roller. Okay? In the ancient time, there's a boat that's rolling. They have a sail. But then you see those, those sails out below. There's a lot of oil coming out, roll, uh, rolling. You cannot see them. These are all rolled by the slave. Ah, Paul say, who are we? We are the under-roller. Nobody can see us. We are servants. We are not master. The gospel should shape them. Don't view us as leaders as master, view us as servants. And for your good, focus on the Lord. And then he mentioned, each are given a task. God have eaten assigned different ones a different role. Here, Paul only includes two names. Paul and Apollos, they are roles here because they are quarreling about these two leaders. But in reality, God has assigned every one of us a role to play to build His church. When I talk about His church, talking about the universal church of God as well as the local church of God here at PPH. You and I are given each a task to fulfill. And for Paul, he said, I planted. In other words, he said that I sowed the seeds, I found the church. Apollos watered, Apollo irrigated, cultivated, Apollo continued teaching them in a various teaching ministry. But, guess what? God is the one who makes things grow. God is the one who makes things grow. So nobody take credit. You and I, we have a role to play. But relax, because God is the one that's going to cause the growth to take place. And God promised something. What did He promise? Next. The one who plants or the one who waters, they have one purpose, maturity, growth. And each will be rewarded according to their labor. God said, all the so-called sacrifices you made, I will not shortchange you. I will reward you accordingly. It's a privilege to serve in God's church. God values our con con contributions here. And then God invites us. Verse 9. You see what? We are God's co-worker. We are co-working. In God's service, in building God's church, does God need you and I? 
No need. Everything can be done because He's God. But He invites us to work together with Him to build this church. And then He changed the terminology from a few, He changed it to a building because He's going to illustrate the next part here. And guess what? This all belongs to God. God, God, God. This all belongs to God. And God said, because it's my church, please build it with care. But before that, Paul reminds us, it is, verse 10, it is by grace God has given to us. Serving God is a grace. Serving God is not a chore. It's not a responsibility. It is not an obligation. It is a privilege. It's a privilege. I thank God today I can preach God's word here and I get paid for it. What a blessing. That's double blessing for me. But not, God didn't call everybody to be a pastor. But you, God said, don't worry. I will pay you back. I will reward you in heaven. I will reward you accordingly. But build it with care. Build God's church with care. It is a privilege. Therefore, today, I want to challenge us to begin to think the task, the role that you can play in this church. Next, Paul says, For by the grace God has given me, I laid the foundations as a wise builder. My wisdom does not come from the world, does not come from the world's value. My wisdom comes from God. Somebody else is building on it. But to each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundations other than the one already laid. What is that foundation? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What are other foundations that can be laid? Other foundations can be laid based on human values, human wisdom, as well as salvation by works. If you do these things, then God will forgive you. These are all other foundations. You say, no, the, the real foundation is Jesus Christ and the gospel, the good news. You are saved because Christ died for you, period. Next, Paul says, how to build the church with care. Okay, Though he's here, is directly more seems to be addressed a little bit more towards the leader, but the principle can apply to all. Let me read to you. Look at the colour carefully. Eh? If any one of you built these foundations using gold, silver and stones, one colour, wood, hay and straw, a different colour, their work will be shown for what it is. For the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire, with fire. Fire will test the quality of each man's work. The quality of each man's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss and yet be saved even though only as one escaping the flames. Okay. What does Paul mean here? Paul says there are six building materials, but actually there are two groups. Gold, silver, and costly stones, one group. Woods, hay, and stubble. He's contrasting between this tree, this group, with the other. The emphasis is not on the value, about the costliness. The emphasis is about the enduring quality. 
not consumed through the fire. Fire will both reveal and test the quality of the materials and the quality will determine the reward. Listen carefully. The emphasis is not purifying the worker. The emphasis is the workmanship. The quality of the workmanship. What quality material is he building on the church? On the last day, only when you build it with imperishable materials, with care, that it will it last. I'm a picture person. Give you another picture. How do we build God's church? Paul says, gold, silver, and costly stone. So what do we mean by building God's church with care, with gold, silver, and costly stone that will last? It means anything that you use, idea or teaching, that is compatible with the gospel because the context here is talking about the gospel. And any biblical or edifying truth that aligned itself to the gospel as well as Christ's teaching. And then, not only the content, he's also talking about the motive because in chapter 4, he talk about God will judge his motive. What is the motive that is enduring love? Why? In chapter 13, Paul says, without love, I am nothing. So, and if you do it with all these things, Paul said, you will be rewarded. So if you build God's church on anything that is based on the gospel in line with God's teaching, Christ's teaching, with the motive of love, God say, don't worry, you will be rewarded. But the second group, wood, hay, and straw, these are human wisdom. Human wisdom here more talking about the human value, the way the human values and the human look at God and salvation that is contrary to the gospel, which what the Corinthians people are doing. That's why Paul gave him the warning. Any false or distorted teaching that contrary to the gospel. And Paul says, wrong motive, self-glory that caused the divisions and therefore will not be rewarded. You will suffer loss. You'll suffer loss. But you'll be safe. Don't worry. You'll be safe. Let me see. Yeah. So the lessons for us is that you need to build God's church with care. Let me give you an illustration how this happened. Okay, Edwin Chua uh, lent me a book called The Renovation of the Church uh, by Ken Carlson and Mike Lucan. See, they pastor this church called the Oak Hill Church in America. This church started with seven, 17 people way back in the 1984. And after 16 years, the church grew to 200 people. But mainly a transferred membership. Very few uh, people who knew believers who come to know the Lord. So the church was not growing very well, they felt. So they need some help. So they go to Willow Creek community church to learn. When they reached there, Real Creek Community is a, is a big church, okay, pastored by Bill Habel. They were awed by their facilities, kilat, kilat, shining, okay, those who don't understand. It's very professionally done, music, multimedia, good skit, messages were short, short, simple, convicting, highly motivating. They come, 
they're very inspired by their methods. So they import the methods, come back to do to their own church. So they move their Sunday church mainly for Christians to weekdays. And then Sunday, they make it into a seeker-friendly church where seeker-friendly service, where non-Christian come comfortable. And the church service only sharp, sharp, one hour, finished it. So they put together a theatrical production. That's what the pastor said. Great music, intrigue, drama, sketches, engaging testimony, sermon. Non-Christian came. Within two years, the church grew from 200 to 1,000. They knew that they have a good job. From a performance perspective, high-rate product. Artistic elements, very compelling, technically excellent. People were touched. Their formula, make people laugh, make people cry. Then people will come. That's their formula. And one day, the creative arts pastor commented in an uncharacteristic, dark irony. You know what he said? You know, we don't even need God to do this. They knew that they are building God's church. They knew that they need to rely on God. They knew that without Christ, they can do nothing. But somehow, they also know that they have carefully planned this service that the achieve the result is actually quite good. But that statement scared the lead pastor. He realized that he had created a monster. And this monster demand to be fed. And the church continued to grow. 1,700. It was an attractional model of church. But yet, it was burdensome. Because every week, the come up with a one-hour kilat-kilat performance, very challenging. He realized that he had been treating church members as religious consumer. They were growing church, but they were not growing people who were more like Jesus. They were treating the demands, feeding the demands of, of the nominal committed so-called consumer instead of trying to help people to encounter Jesus that, that leads to transformations. And one day, the pastor got convicted. He gathered all the church leaders, go for a retreat. He shared with them, he said, we need an overhaul. Something needs to change. We have not been building on the gospel. We are building on something else. Where does it start? Start from the theological foundation. They ask a very simple question. What is the gospel? What are we called to in response? What's the purpose of the church? And they were very touched by this statement from Pastor Eugene Peterson. He said, Pastor Eugene Peterson in his book mentioned this. If Christ is king, everything, literal, quite everything, everyone has to be reimagined reconfigured, reoriented to the way of life that is consistent with an obedient following of Jesus. It cannot be accomplished by just attending meetings here and there. So they require a total renovations. They require repentance. That's what they did. Not a program change, not a strategy change, a repentant heart change. Finally, they hear the gospel again. That's what the pastor said. Fresh, real, attractive. The gospel take roots in their lives. And guess what? And then they move the weekdays, cancel the weekdays uh, service. Move all to Sunday. No more secret family. They make it teach the gospel. Guess what? Attendance drop from 1,700. It dropped, 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 dropped drop to 700. 1,000 people left the church because they realized that they have been building the church on the wrong thing. But with those remain, they focus on spending time with God in solitude, in prayer, 
talking about transformations and joy with them. Spiritual formation, real change happened. People are becoming more and more like Jesus. Though they have only 700, but they know they are going in the right direction. This is an example of people. Another example uh, I read about, oh, before, that, before that example, in the book it mentions something I also need to mention. It's, it said this book here is not a critic on Willow Creek Community Church. These are people who use what they learn there and the way they apply it. That was the problem. Not about Willow Creek. Though Willow Creek have its own uh, things that some people may agree or disagree, but it's not about Willow Creek. But another example how people deviate from the gospel is this. You know the um, Brooklyn Tabernacle, they have, they have a good choir. One of the choir members went to a, a different church to sing. And then when he was, she was there, you know what the, you know what the pastor in the other church said. See, when you sing, uh, don't sing song that mentioned about the blood of Jesus. People will feel uncomfortable with that. Our goal is to be user friendly. Okay, to be user friendly, they have deviated from the gospel, the gospel. So, what is God's message for us? God's message to the Corinthian Christians is this, build the church with care. Because God treasures the church with teachings, ideas, and ways that's aligned with the gospel, with the teaching of Christ. Same thing, God's message to us, PPH, also same thing. Don't forget the gospel. But I also felt in applying this passage to PPH, there's a different part to it. God is challenging us today that you have a part to play in building God's church. Here, God desires and plans to grow His church here. You can play a key role. God is inviting you to be His co-worker. Built on the foundation of Christ and the gospel, it is a grace. It is a privilege. God wants to grow this church. You can play a part. Don't complain. Don't compare. Play your role. Moreover, you'll be rewarded. I remember a sister, she received Christ again more than 10 years ago. She walked into the church, shared the gospel, and later on, her family received Christ. She was so touched by the Lord. She said, God, what can I do for you? You have blessed me so much. She decided to go for formal training. She thought that only a formal training, then she can serve the church. Then discovered that no need formal training. So she began to do simple things. Pray for people. Attend prayer meeting. Invite people to church. And she grow. And she felt so happy. Later on, she opened her home for cell group to meet. Small ways. Because why? She felt she has a role to be. She was touched by the gospel she wanted to contribute. And today, some of you are sitting here. Some of you may be, maybe some of you are in a retirement, retirement mode. You say, no, 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 I've served long enough. I'm telling you, don't miss the fun. God is building the church. Some of you are taking a, a back seat. Oh, Maybe I'm taking a break. Yes, take a break. You can. But come back. <laughs> Don't miss the fun. Some of you, I'm not, I'm not adequate. It's not talking about adequacy. You're talking about availability. It is a privilege to be the co-worker of God to build this church. God is building this church and is inviting you. So, sign up for the chap children's chaperone, COH, and sign up as leaders, uh, drivers or anything. But these are small things. But I'm encouraging, encouraging us to sign up for 
other things also that you can play your part to build God's church. So God's church should, be, should contain mainly your spiritual people. God's church spiritual, not in terms of aligning with the gospel, not in terms of your age. God's church should be, um, that will grow, so you need to play a part. And finally, Paul had this concept, God's church is the temple of God. The temple of God. Let me read to you, verse 16 and 17. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple? God's Spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. This imagery of temple is very loaded. Very loaded. Both for the Jews that he's writing to at the, at Corinth, as well as for the non-Jews, the Corinth. I mean, actually, for the Jews, why this temple is idea is great. Because when they were slaves, they were delivered out of bondage in Egypt before they go to the promised land. God's presence go with them. In the day, pillar of cloud. At night, pillar of fire. God's presence was with them. And then God said, build a tabernacle, a temporary place, a tent. And then God's glory fell into the temple, into the tabernacle. And then when they moved into the promised land, the promised land, God said, now we can build a temple. And again, God's presence, God's glory filled the temple. When they go to the temple, they know God's presence was there. God's spirit lives there. It was all. Unfortunately, the people sinned against God. In the book of Ezekiel, the glory of God departed from the temple. And then came the Lord Jesus Christ. He came. He tabernacled. He lives among us. He died on the cross for us. And now, God, His name is what? Emmanuel, God with us. God can live among us. Now Paul is telling them, you, when you gather, you, corporately, you, this community, you, this bunch of divisive, immature Christians, you are God's temple. Imagine the comfort. You are God's temple. You divisive, you carnal, you worldly, but you are God's temple because God chose to reside in you. Why? Because of the gospel, because of what Christ has done for you. This is the imagery God is trying to say to the people who understand both the Old Testament. At the same time, for the people who don't have this Old Testament concept, people who are from Corinth, from the pagan worship, they understand the temple. Why? There are many temples in Corinth. Many temples in Corinth. And they understand the sacredness of the temple, of going to the temple. And now God is saying that, you see many temples? Let me tell you, the real temple is you. You are the real. You are God's temple in Corinth. Not those temples. You. Why? Because Christ dwells in you. That is why Paul gave a warning, very strong warning. Don't destroy God's temple. It's sacred. It's holy. Don't destroy God. Don't do anything silly. Don't wreak havoc in God's temple. And when God used the word destroyer, He's not talking about eternal condemnation here. This is a, it's not so strong a word. It's talking about certain kind of judgment that will befit that, that crime there. But it's not talking about eternal condemnations here. 
And I hope that today, as we come into God's presence, we really appreciate this idea of temple. Okay. I understand, because my moms go to temple. I follow my mom to temple when I was small. Okay. My mom go and worship the different temples. I will follow her. Chinese New Year period, different period. Very busy. Early morning, she will queue. A lot of people, we will all squeeze, 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 squeeze there then. Find ways to squeeze in between for her to put the joystick and to pray. She treasure, and those times when she prays, she pour out her heart, what she desire for the family. She pour out. I understand. It's very significant. Those of you who go to various temples in Singapore, you will understand the significance. And sometimes, when we come to church, we treat God's temple a bit too lightly. We forget God's presence is here. God's spirit is here. I like to go to St. Andrew when I go to the CBD. Then I will walk into the church there and I'll sit in the pew and I'll pray. Though I know there is a building, but I know what the building signifies, signify the community of people. And I enjoy just go there and pray. And guess what? Last Friday, there are some one stranger, one lady just walked into our church and then go to level two is out of it. Can I can I go to your sanctuary and pray? Sure, we opened it. We turn on the light, turn on the aircon for her to sit down and to pray. I don't know, we, 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 we play games on this sanctuary. I know we, we, we do a lot of things here in sanctuary. Sometimes we forget that when we gather here, God's presence is out here. We can treat it a bit too lightly. But she knows God's presence is there. She comes to pray. In the same way also, when we come, I hope that we will have this sense of awe. So if this is God's temple, let us seek God in His temple. I'm not, I'm using this seek God as a big term. I'm not talking that God is lost, you need to seek for Him. I'm talking about seeking God, encountering God, treasuring God, beseeching before God, praying before God, because God's Spirit lives here. Gordon Fee said this about God's sacred temple. He said in the corporate worship as God's temple, when you come, you should have a sense of unworthiness. You should tell yourself, I don't belong here. Yes, I don't belong here. I'm so sinful. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. That's the gospel. Because we are so sinful that Jesus had to die for you. We don't belong here. Yet, at the same time, because of God's grace, because of what Christ has done, because of Christ's righteousness, Christ's holiness, Christ's redemptions, you tell yourself, I do belong here. I do belong here. It is grace. So on one hand, there is a sense of reverence. I don't belong because I'm so sinful. But yet there's a sense of joy. I do belong here because it's all God's grace. And I'm going to end this time with worship and prayer. Musicians, can you come forward? I want to end this time so that we can come. I know some of you today here, there is burden in your hearts. There's concern about your personal life, about your family, about your future. Let me tell you, God is here. God wants you to come in His presence, to tell Him your issues, to pray before Him. So come. Come in. I'm going to leave the altar open. If you need people to come and pray with you, please come forward. The leaders will come and pray for you. If you want to pray where you are, I encourage you to also pray. But some of you today, I know, you are living and thinking like a worldly person. 
The Spirit is not directing you. You are directing your own life. You are going your own way. God said, this needs to stop. It is not, it's a foolish thing to do. Let the Spirit direct you. It is the wisest thing to do because He knows you, because Christ died for you. He knows what's best. If that's the case, repent and ask the Spirit to direct you. At the same time, some of you, God is challenging you to play your role, big or small role in this church here. No need to run. It's okay. God will grow. God will equip you. Avail yourself. Okay? So let us rise. Understand. God's Spirit is here. Let there be a sense of unworthiness on one hand and a sense of joy on the other hand because Christ has died for us. He rose again for them. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazareth. come forward here. We want to pray with you because God is present here. So if God is touching your hearts, you want to come where you are to pray or come to the altar, please come. Take this time. God's presence is here. Let us worship the Lord and let us pray before the Lord. He took my sins and my sorrows He made them His Ah! Uh-huh. 
the provisions God is here this is his temple he lives among us it's a safe place humanly, but to God all things are possible. To some, God wants you to repent. Yield your control back to the Spirit again. Align your life with the Gospel. Finally, I'd like to invite all of us right now just to pray for our church that God will grow in maturity. We'll be more and more like Jesus. We'll exuberate more and more of His love, His joy, His grace to people around us. Let's all lift our voices to pray for this church. that you died for the church you died for us you make us holy you washed us with your blood and today we are holy in your sight accepted by you covered by the blood of Jesus thank you Lord right right now therefore we can call your temple and your spirit chose to dwell in our midst when we gather help us Father forgive us sometimes we take it too lightly we forget that this is a sacred place where you walk where you dwell and this is also a place of comfort because where you are present, there will be comfort. You listen to our prayer, you hear us, and you want to bless us. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for today, for meeting with us. Thank you, Lord, 
We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.